Let's just pray first, okay? Father, we're just so joyful to be in your presence. We we pray that you would just move amongst us, and, and we just pray that you would speak right into our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would just move amongst us. We, we thank you for the people you've put us with, Lord. We thank you that you want us to build this team together, Lord. And we'd rejoice in, in where we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things when you're going to do a preach, um, it's very difficult to read something and, and to preach on something without preaching it from some of the filters that's going on in your life at the time. So when I read the, the chapter that we're going to read in a moment, I, I'm looking at it, you know, and each of us could read it in different ways because of the things that's going on within our life at that point in time, okay? Now, let's, let me just share a couple of things that's going on in my life at the moment. Uh, one of the things is about worthiness. Now, the reason why I say that is because we, we used to be Mormons, myself and Nikki. Nikki had been raised a Mormon. Uh, I joined the Mormon church uh, when I was about 18. And there's a big conversation going on within the Mormon church at the moment about what they call worthiness interviews. Okay? And the idea is that, you know, you're only, if you pass certain questions, then you'll be deemed worthy to go to their temple for certain ordinances. Okay? And, and, and so there's, there's, the thing about these worthiness interviews, they're, they're quite intrusive in, in when they're asking people questions. And they start from eight years old. And it's caused a lot of damage to, to children in the church and ad, young adults in the church, you know, in, in the Mormon church. So we've been doing a lot of Facebooking <laughs> uh, with relatives who are talking about this and talking about worthiness. So that's one of the filters that's going through, one of the things that's happening in my life at the point in time. We're talking about what this issue of worthiness is and how does that fit into this business, uh, you know, when when I'm talking to some relatives who are still in the Mormon church. That's one issue. The other issue that I've really had to repent of and sort out in my head is this business about judgment, okay? And, and in a sense, what was happening, there's two things happening at the same time. I'm arguing on Facebook about worthiness comes through Jesus' death on the cross. Not through my worthiness, not through anything I do, but through Jesus' death on the cross. And then at the same time, as I'm doing that, I'm making judgments of people. All right? How wrong can that be? Uh, you know, and, and it was something that... And, and even last night, I watched a movie called Suffragette. I, I think, have you seen it? Yeah. Boy, at the end of that, I was in tears with that, you know. And there's something that broke me inside about that and this business about judgment, right? It's a good job because I'm preaching today and I needed that, that repentance. So, so when I'm looking at these t- this verse, I'm looking at it through those two things that have been happening. The issue about worthiness and the issue about judgment, right? And for me, they, they can't sort of coexist. We can't make judgments on people when we believe that Jesus has died for us. And that it's his worthiness that has brought us to the place where we can actually go into and be with him. And this morning, that's why we're where we are, where we can actually be with him and with each other. 
in that place where we are forgiven, we've been made worthy. Okay? That's where we are. And there's no judgment on anybody else in this room. Okay? We can't make those judgments. I'll come back to that later. Okay? Let's have a look at the scripture that we're talking about. Okay? I thought I'd be able to read it from there. I'm thinking, my goodness, don't need my glasses. There we are. <laughs> they all ate and were satisfied. Now, I've gone back into the previous story. Sorry? Oh, it's Mark 6. I do apologise. It's Mark 6. So if anybody's got the Bibles with them, it's Mark 6. It's part of the, the King and his cross series. And we're into Mark 6 at the moment. And it's starting from chapter 42 through to 56. Okay? So they, they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the twelve baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the numbers of men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. Where he uh, dismissed, so when he dismissed, so while he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountain to pray. Myself and James were talking about this the other day, and we were wondering whether, when it comes to the next part where they're struggling in the boat, we were wondering whether they had the 12 baskets of fish and bread in there as well, and whether they just couldn't leave it behind, you know? Anyway, they, they, later that night, the, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land, and he saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them, and shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, though they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at, I should have practiced this word, okay, Gennesaret. Okay, there we go. And anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick on the marketplace they begged him to let them touch, touch even the edge of his cloak, for all who touched it were healed. Okay, wow, that's a that's an amazing walk, isn't it? Right. I, I've called this session this uh, session today this word, uh, his walk in their hearts. Okay, his walk in their hearts. You look at his walk; it was so steadfast and sure. And you look at their hearts, and it says there their hearts were hardened. I, I heard somebody sort of almost like verbally gasp when, when, when they heard that. You know, isn't that strange? What would cause someone's heart to be hardened when they've just seen a miracle of feeding the 5,000? And that's the 5,000 men. All right? What about the women and children that was there as well? Incredible numbers that were, were fed at the time. And yet it says their hearts were hardened. Okay. Now, 
Initially, when I was, when I was going to do this preach, I was going to talk about the walk first and then the hearts. But I thought, no, let's do the hearts first. Let's deal with that first. And let's figure out where we're coming from with the heart side of it. Most of the commentaries, when I've looked at this and, 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 and you've checked it in different places, it's not the same sort of hardened heart that you had with Pharaoh not letting the uh, people go out into, you know, to be released from Egypt. It's not so, that sort of hardened heart. The best way that it's described is they were slow on the uptake, right? They just didn't understand what it meant, okay? And yet there were so many things that happened. Now, you can't read this chapter without going back to the previous chapter of the feeding of the 5,000. Because that's a situation where they end up in the wilderness, right? Does that sound familiar? Yeah? Is it a time in the Old Testament where people were in the wilderness, where they needed feeding? Yeah? And what happened? You shout out. Manna from heaven came. Bread from heaven came. And it fed way more than 5,000 men, women, and children. And, and so Mark is intentional in what he's saying here. And he's wanting people to recognize that. Right? But how does Jesus fit into that? Is Jesus a picture of Moses? You know, Joseph, you know, in the same way that Moses have led all these people out, and now you know, they're praying for bread, and then bread is supernaturally provided. If you go into John, what does Jesus say? I am what? The bread of life. Okay? So is Jesus the bread? All right? Or is Jesus God making that provision there miraculously, being supernaturally natural and providing food for people? Right? The thing is, when the, when, when the disciples are looking at him, they're not quite getting it. Even though there's, there's a clarity of what's happening there. Jesus is declaring, and Jesus is God. He's providing supernaturally to the people there. And previously he talks about being that bread. And he's going to bring life to people through that bread, through his own body on the cross. And I want to say, you know, in all that, somehow, the, the, the disciples at the time just didn't get it. They were confused about what it meant. Right? And, and I just wonder, in, in, in our own hearts, are we sometimes confused about what it means? Yeah? I don't think our heart, none of our hearts in here are hardened. We wouldn't be here today in the sense of the, the, the Pharaoh's hardness of heart. But I do think sometimes, I know me, I mean, this is almost 40 odd years now for me being a Christian. And sometimes I really get confused about what Jesus is saying to me and who Jesus is. And then he brings clarity. Right? He brings clarity. He is that worthiness. He is that bread of life. And when, you know, he wants people to know that when we feed on him, it brings life to us. And that's the only way that brings life. Right? And, and I just think as well, if you just think about that boat for a moment, and, and you've got the, you know, disciples pulling on those oars, and they're, they're up against the wind. Do you think sometimes, individually, 
and corporately as a church, that sometimes we feel that way? You know, could that boat represent sometimes our own life? Or could it also represent the life within the church? Where we feel we're, we're, we're pulling hard and sometimes we feel... Because what was happening, it's not like a storm like it was last time. This time, they're not fearing for their life. They're just exhausted. Yeah, I mean, that's where they are. They're just exhausted. And I sometimes think... I, I just think within this church at the moment, a lot of us are exhausted. Right? Yeah? We, we all agree with that? I think we're exhausted. And the thing is, the only way that we're going to make headway in this is if Jesus is firmly in the boat with us. And so often what happens is we're f- so focused on everything else that needs to happen. Yeah? Collecting up the bread, maybe. Collecting up the offering. Offering. Making the teas and coffees, sorting out the mad minis, sorting out the mad, you know, holiday club. You know, and it's all stuff that is amazing and is fabulous for the community. The thing is, it's making sure Jesus is in the boat. Right? Because when, when that happens, it doesn't feel as hard. It doesn't feel as hard. And, and you know, so I, I want us to break it. This, this sort of talk into, into two parts here. There's something about this business about heart and seeing where we are in, in that, right? Because I do believe that a lot of us are at that point of exhaustion. And, and, and I want to, you know, we're, we're going to have a time at the end where we're going to, in a normal place where we can come over here, there's going to be prayer coordinators. But for those people who are just feeling, Lord, I just feel like I'm at the end almost. Then he wants to say, now the thing about it, just look what happened. Jesus was walking alongside them. When did he get into the boat? Sorry? Yeah, but what did they do? They called out. It was on the calling out that he came in. He's never going to just climb in without an invitation. Right? And so there's an invitation there. And, and for us it's saying, Jesus, I just need you in the boat. Because if not, all the effort is getting me nowhere. Right? And if he's not in the boat with me, other things start to seep in. And starts to damage my heart attitude. Right? So that's the first thing. And, I, and I pr- let's just pray now. Lord, I just pray... That you meet people where they are today. I, I, I pray, Lord, that we will be really authentic with you. We will be who we are with you. And, Lord, I pray that you'll just speak into people's hearts if they need prayer and they want prayer. Lord, I know I'm one of them. And, and I just, I look to you, Lord, to give the answer there. I want you to be firmly in my boat, both personally as a church, we just need you there, Lord. In Jesus' name. That's the first piece. Now I want some volunteers for the next piece. Because what I want to look at is Jesus' walk. Right? Okay. At some point he says, come follow me. And what I did with this was, I looked back at the 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 book of Mark, and, and looked at each stage of it. And, and, and told you this a couple of weeks ago, she had a bit of a summary 
of some of the things that were, was, were said. So let's just look at that walk. I'm, I'm going to pass the microphone, I'm going to put it in front of you, and I want you to read out one of the things that's there. Is that okay? I don't want to put anybody in the spot. I'll probably get the ones that are close to the edge, but there we go. So let's have the first one. What's the first one there? Baptized and tested in, wilder in the wilderness. Okay. So he's baptized and tested in the wilderness. That's the first thing. You see that, Janet? Uh, just a bit. Jesus heals Mary. Mary. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he, he goes into the wilderness, he comes down, and he heals many. I think. Is, is that what the next one there is? Can you see it, Paul? I can't see the thing. Okay, one. let's go around here to people who can see. Which, where, are we at the top, the bottom? Oh, Jesus yeah, Jesus knows is the good news. Right, sorry. <laughs> and then Jesus calls the disciples. Jesus calls the disciples. Look at that, folks. Just think about that for a moment. He's baptized and tested. All right. First of all, folks, I mean, I don't know where you are with baptism, but Jesus did it. Okay. He was baptized and then he was tested. Okay. The next thing, he then announces good news. Right. Now he says, come follow me. Baptize. Announce good news to people. And then, what does he do? He calls the disciples. He calls the disciples. He calls people. This is his walk he's wanting us to do. Right? To call people as disciples. Let's have a look where we go next. Jesus drives out an impure spirit. spirit. <laughs> it's off the board. No. So he's moving now in power. Okay, We get round a bit further. Jesus prays in solitary places. That's right. Jesus goes and prays in solitary places. He doesn't think he can just keep going on and on and on. He's close to the Father through this. He starts in the wilderness being tested. He goes out and all the way through this, he keeps finding solitary places to make sure he finds himself and connects with his Father. Okay. And then... Jesus heals many. And then Jesus forgives and heals. Right, so he's not only just healing, but he's forgiving. On to the next page. It goes on and on, doesn't it? I'm going to say, I've got probably enough. Let me just keep. Right, so we've got, because it's difficult to read some of them. He calls and he eats with sinners. You know, are we calling? And eating with sinners. You know? Every day. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, as far as we're concerned, we've been made worthy. Yeah? We've been made worthy. Yes, we've sinned, but we've made worthy. And he wants us to call other people. Right? He, the, the sin he's talking about there was Levi, tax collector. And he calls him. And he eats with them. We've got an opportunity to invite people to, around to our homes. Right? We, don't, we don't say, okay, we're just inviting sinners. That wouldn't look good, would it? <laughs> but, the, but the point is, you know, do we get out of our holy huddle and make sure that we're calling other people in to eat with us? Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and he heals on the Sabbath. He goes against what is expected. Because all the other religious leaders are saying, you need to do this on Sunday, you need to do that on Sunday. You can't do this, you can't do that. And in this situation, Jesus goes out and heals. Let's move around. The crowd follows. The crowd follows. Folks, we want people to be following Jesus. 
we want people in Lawrence Kirk and, and, and Montrose and Forden and you name it. We want people to be following. And we want crowds to be coming after him. And we need to walk in his footsteps so that those crowds come after us. Let's, let's keep going through. This is, this is this walk through Mark. We haven't even got anywhere near to chapter 6 yet. Right? And then it, it, he's accused by his family and teachers of the law. You know, they accuse him of not doing the right thing. That's his family. Right? That's the teachers of the law. Folks, if we're following Jesus, we're going to get accused by our families. We're going to get accused by people of the law. It's going to happen. If we're not, I would question them whether we're following Jesus or not. Because we're going to be doing some strange things. We're going to love relentlessly. We're going to give relentlessly. And people will look at us and say, you're strange. What's going on with you? So you're going to get accused. Jesus explains in parables and stories. We've got stories to tell, folks. You know, I've told my story many times about how I first got to know Jesus. I was, I was caught in this, in, the, in this Mormon church not knowing where to go. I remember kneeling in the bathroom and saying, Lord, where should I go? What should I do? Right? And within that, I, I think it was in a couple of days, I met Christians. And they shared the gospel with me. That was, I think, on the Tuesday by the Thursday. They prayed with me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I came back in. I think Nikki thought I was drunk. All right? Uh, You know, we have got stories to tell, right? And we need to share those with people. Everybody in this room, I I came to Jesus in some way that is a story that's going to be attractive to other people. Jesus calms the storm. He actually takes hold and he he knows that he can control those things that are, if you like, naturally around him. Jesus restored demon-possessed men or man. That's going to happen, folks. That's already happened. On to the next one. We're nearly there, folks. We're nearly up at... uh, And then I'll start talking about chapter 6. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. Jesus seen as a a prophet without honour. So this isn't easy, folks. Every so often you get reminded you're going to get knocked down a little bit. Right? You'll be, you'll be accused of, of, of not having honour if you're following Jesus. Jesus sends people out. Not only did he have disciples, but he then starts sending people out. And folks, Jesus wants us to raise disciples. Each of us to have disciples and then send them out as disciples who are going to send other people out as disciples. You know, and they're going to rejoice. They're going to come back dancing knowing that, that the, the demons obeyed them. Right? And that sickness and people were healed. And then, lo and behold, his cousin, John the Baptist, is beheaded. So this is a walk that is not easy. All the time we see the joy and then stuff happens. You know? And tragedy happens within our lives. But what did Jesus do? He walks on. Right? He walks on. And we're going to have tragedy in our life. Things are going to happen. We're not protected somehow, totally, where nothing is going to go wrong ever again. I think we've got tremendous protection, by the way. At times, though, things are going to happen. Life is not going to be easy at times. But he walks on. Not long after that, he then feeds 5,000. Now we're catching up. Okay? 
to where we are now. And then, again, he just demonstrates his, his, his ability to be supernatural in a natural way. He just walks. Now, he doesn't think about the, oh, I'm on land now. Oh, now I'm on sea. He's right? just responding. He, he, he senses the disciples' need. You know, he just senses that need that the disciples has, and he walks towards them. And they call him, he gets in the boat with them. Now they get to the other side, and what happens again? The crowd run to Jesus and begs him to heal. To begin with, he's healing people. Now they're running towards him. And I just think there's something in this as a church. As we follow him, as we recognize that, then we will start to see people coming out and saying, where can we meet this Jesus? How can I touch him? How can I get to know him? Right? Folks, this is no accident that you're here. It really is no accident that you're here. The thing, this is a walk, right? And the thing about walk, it's choice again. And I, I, again, every time I, I speak from here, I think I, I talk about choice. And, and there's this incredible word in, in uh, a Jewish word, which is Tim Shell, which is thou mayest, or you may. You make a choice. You can walk. You've been saved. You've been made worthy. You're going to heaven. Right? The point is, I want to keep following Jesus in his footsteps. And that is a choice. Right at the end of... I better look at my notes for a minute. Just do sense. Who's seen Suffragette? Right at the end, there's this incredible, stirring talk that I'm going to find any second. I love doing spoilers. <laughs> this is right at the end. <laughs> yeah. And reason said to her, Silence, what do you hear? And silence said, I hear the sound of feet. A thousand times, ten thousands, and thousands, and thousands, and they beat this way. They are the feet of those that shall follow you. Lead on. Right. Jesus is reason, let me tell you. Jesus is reason. A reason enough to get and follow and to, to move on with, with, with him. Now what I want to remind ourselves is just look at that walk. And go back to what I was saying was in my heart at the start and what I needed to repent from. What did Jesus never do? Sorry? Oh. Well, he didn't need to repent. But you know, he never judged. Right? I mean, there's time in Mark, you'll see later on, where he gets angry with people. Right? And, and he patiently makes a whip. Right? And chases people out of, of, of his father's house. But he doesn't make judgment. Nowhere along there, when, so far when I look through Mark, and all the chapters looked at, he's not making judgment. He's calling out. He's inviting. Right? He's not saying, oh, well, just a minute. You're a sinner. 
I want the ones that are good to come and join us. That's not happening. He's making no judgment on that at all. He's calling all. That doesn't matter what sins people have. It just doesn't matter. Jesus is calling them all. And you know, the only way that we're going to get people who are joining us here, by going out and inviting them. That's what this year is about. It's an invitational year. And it's not about them being worthy. It's not about you being worthy. Because Jesus has done that. It's about us going out and inviting. And the one thing that's missing from that is judgment. Right? And as much as I feel convicted last night when, when I, you know, there was something within that, those words about following him that convicted me of judgment on people and making those judgments. And the thing is, folks, as we're working hard and as we get exhausted, there are times when we may be looking and making judgments of other people. Right? And I know I do it. And I'm sure there's maybe other people that do. And I just feel it's something that we've just got to let go of. Right? We've got to let go of. Because you know, Jesus is big enough. Right? The Holy Spirit can be loud enough. And if there's stuff that needs sorting out, he can do that. Now let me just say something else about this as well. That does not mean that we don't look after each other. Right? Have you ever been in a restaurant and you don't realise but you've got maybe a bit of cream on your face? Right? Been in that situation? I was the, I, I was the other night. I, I got this big piece of jam down this side of my face. Right? Yeah? Wouldn't it have been nice if nobody had told me about that all night? Right, and never don't. Now, that's not judgment, by the way. That's Tom. You've got some jam on your face. Right? Interestingly, the story of Lazarus isn't in Mark, and, and I, but I felt I had to mention it. Okay? Because in Lazarus, what happens is he obviously raises Lazarus from the dead eventually. Right? After tears and, and sadness, he eventually raises him from the dead. And then he calls him out of the tomb. Right? And when he comes out of the tomb, Lazarus is wanting to walk because he's alive. Right? And folks, we all want to walk on this road, don't we? We want to follow Jesus. But Lazarus <laughs> is having trouble. He, he, he's trying to move. And Jesus says, take the clothes of the grave away from him. Right? That's not judgment. That's help. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, just in the same way I've got jam on my face or I've got something wrapping around my feet, it's going to trip me up. I do that because I love people. We talked last week, or James talked last week, about love as one. Eh? Love as one. And so love says to me, Tom, you've got some jam on your face. That's Nikki. (laughs) Yeah? Love tells me I've got jam on my face, right? Love says you've got something that's going to trip you up if you're not careful. It's not judgment, folks. And we need to do that, and we need to do that in love, but not in judgment, right? Folks, I I just want to make sure that, one, my heart is not hardened. And when I say that, I mean my heart is not slow to understand. Jesus is love. It is love that has won. Yeah? 
And that's what wins the day. So I want to make sure that's where everything that comes from in my life emanates from. And when it's not, and I do repent, I'm going to ask for prayer afterwards, I'm going to join the folks in the corner here to say that I repent of that judgment that's been happening. Okay? And I pray that anybody else has, has, has got into that situation, then let's repent of that judgment. The second thing is this business about the walk and this choice to walk. Some of us, I've seen other people walking. Right? And so we're walking a little bit. But let's get Jesus in the boat. Right? And then we can have this walk of, of more surety. Right? 